Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, This is the Successful Life Podcast, your favorite home services podcast. Hi, I'm Corey Barrier, number one best-selling author of Nine Simple Steps to Sell More Shit. I'm here to help you open more doors, close more deals, and rock your revenue in your home services company. I coach home services businesses using my proven process that helps you, the owner, make more money with less frustration. You can go to HVACplumbingSales.com for more information, or you can text me directly at 919-896-9999. Nine, nine. You are in for the most impactful show today with my man, Michael Venitas, CXO of Rhino Marketing. In this episode, we give you tactical solutions in sales and marketing that if implemented correctly, will change the revenue in your home services business. You can go see Michael break down how to use Google business without hiring a marketing company at RoofCon on November 5th and 6th, along with Hunter Ballou, Jeff Boab, John Maxwell, Tim Tebow. Go to RoofCon.com and get 10% off with the code C-O-R-E-Y. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with my man, Michael Benitez, right? <laughs> Got it, Corey. Oh, man, man I'm, I feel, you should feel super, super special because I mess up Smith typically. <laughs> hey, man, I feel special to be here. It's a privilege. I appreciate you being here, brother. What's going on, man? I'm super excited to dig in to this conversation with you. So first... Just tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do for the home services community. Yeah, man. I'd love to do that. Thank you. Yeah. My name's Michael Vanitas and I'm our CXO here at Rhino Strategic Solutions. For some people, that's your chief experience officer. I've been here with Rhino, a digital marketing agency that exists solely for the trades 11 years now. And a lot of my role is not just internal, but external when we use that word experience. Listen, truth be told, I walk around and treat everything like it's my responsibility. And that's how I like to operate. Treat it like you own it. I think it always fares well for you when you genuinely care about what you do and who you do it with. But to be clear, I'm solely responsible for the experience of our clients here, making sure they get a world-class experience, but also the experience of the team members, the employees. To build something truly great, genuinely caring is one of seven core values that we have. And it's important that I create an environment where they feel cared about and something that they can believe in and be passionate about, right? Because when we're passionate, it ultimately reflects in great quality work, happy clients, the rest is history. 100%, dude. And when you pour into people with a genuine heart, people can tell that. And even if things, and here's, this is really important. Even if things go sideways, heaven forbid, if you're if you approach your customers and clients like you all do with that servant heart, Things don't go so sideways when they go sideways. So true. Listen, I can easily give you an example. I remember having an appliance company come out to my home, try and fix the dryer after I tried to fix it myself three times, right? Totally finally gave up. Charges me a fee, comes out. He gets nothing done, doesn't resolve it. What do I do? I'm the Google guy. Like I leave a review. I'm that jerk. But I get a phone call on a Sunday from the owner himself as I'm walking through Walmart and he proceeds to tell me that he sees this one-star review and that he doesn't believe that I should be charged a fee in which they came out and could not accomplish what they were hired to do and that he's going to fully refund me. How do you think I responded to that, right? Yes, it was an inconvenience, but I literally like 
instantly without him even having to ask me, go back to Google, update my one star to a five star, and then proceed to write this extreme paragraph about why I'm going to continue to use this company, the unforeseeable future, simply because of how they chose to conduct business in a negative environment, right? Because how we react in negative environments and when times are tough, that's our true colors. And listen, man, we're not perfect. We're people, right? You either, you, you basically learn or you grow or you succeed or you learn, right? And a lot of those things, they come with opportunities, which opportunities are really just mistakes that you capitalize on, right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I, yeah, dude, I totally agree with you. And we look, everybody's made mistakes. Everybody's had lessons that they've learned. I hope that you learned something from it because if you didn't, I guess it's not really a lesson. So you, you said that you keep, that you're also in charge of the experience for the team. So I want you to drive home something really quick. Now, I obviously to the point podcast is your guys podcast, which is one of the dopest podcasts I, I talk about all the time. I love it. And so partially, I think you all talk about everything that I talk about all day long In addition to that, Chris is ADHD and I'm ADHD. And most people that we work with in the trades is ADHD. And that's not a negative thing. It's actually a great thing. But what I think is important and what I think I felt in that conversation with you a moment ago is that you're the integrator to the visionary to a degree. And I want you to talk about that for a minute because that is such an important part for somebody like Chris and for somebody like me to have that person to execute on these badass ideas or to say, you might want to hold off on that badass idea right now. Yeah. Yeah, man. You've got some great points there, right? Like Chris is by all means a visionary and the gifts and talents that he has is endless. I've learned so much from him over my 11 year career here, but I'd be ashamed if I didn't also give credit to his wife, Anna. She's our COO, hides behind the scenes, but she's who I work with the most closely. And I joke, and if you've ever had a chance to work with her, or get to know her, she's an alien amongst humans. She just operates at standards and levels that I think are hard to put into words and in, in, in every great way that you can imagine. I've been very blessed and fortunate to work alongside her for those reasons. She's, she's a pivotal member in the development of me and my career and how I operate in the standards that I personally have. But to your point, I will say this to any business owner that is fortunate enough to listen into this podcast is that your core values are huge. And I speak from the lens that I'm not owner, an owner, right? I am on the C-suite of this team. It's a three-piece executive team. And I worked my way into this part of the company from the very, very bottom. So when I speak from the lens of being on the opposite side of a table, as a business owner, when you develop the business and you create your core values, your mission statement, your vision, you see it through one lens. But at the time I was on the opposite side of the table, I was a, um, I was result of that. And if there's anything that I've learned is those core values are crucial. One thing I'm passionate about, we have seven of them here. I literally wear them on my wrist regularly. And it's because I believe in them, right? Like when we all worked and picked the values, we wanted to pick values that were applicable, not just to your professional career, but like your personal life. To be clear, Corey, like I get up, I walk out of this room, I shut down for the night. When I go home, I'm still trying to be all seven of these things. And that's what I think is crucial is are you creating culture and environment for your team in which they can truly believe in what we are trying to do and accomplish. And that ultimately just challenges them to be a good, genuine human being. In addition to just being a great employee, right? Because let's be real, if you're happy, you can stand behind what we're trying to do here and you build a culture and a picture and a system that we can be proud of it's going to naturally reflect in the quality of the work because they're proud and happy to be here. They're ambitious, driven, and motivated to not only grow, to deliver results that their supervisors and the rest of the company can be proud of. And results for their family, right? Because if you're happy at work, guaranteed you're going to be way happier at home. But before we dive into that, I really want to go back for a second because you mentioned that when you started here, you started at the bottom. And I don't know that we dove into that yet. So can you walk me through what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. At Rhino, we are very, we try to hold ourselves to a higher standard in comparison to a lot of the other marketing agencies out there. One thing we've always been passionate about is not just generating a lead, right? But what is a lead? 
right? Because arguably a lead is any type of revenue that comes in from marketing efforts. But we take more of this mentality of a lead isn't just that revenue. It's revenue that comes from an actual new customer, right? What would you rather have, Corey, new revenue or new customers and new revenue? Because if I grow my customer base and I retain them and I give them world-class, they stay. And obviously the average ticket of a lifetime customer 10X is when they continue to stick around. So for me, I want to generate more bodies, more new customers that never intended on using me rather than just trying to get repeats to come back and do additional transactions and look at it from the revenue perspective. So we have a tool called Rhino Tracks that we use to try and measure that and help us really hold ourselves accountable to you customers. But to your direct question, in order to give that tool, to provide that tool, we needed to have every single call that was recorded as a lead be literally listened to and not artificial intelligence. Like we needed people to listen to those calls. They were trained to listen to those calls and try and distinguish who did or did not do business before. What type of service? Was this a service, a sales call? Was this a plumbing lead? And we needed the context so that we can get the reporting data at a level that was unmatched giving us an upper unique differentiator on why we should be the best digital marketing choice for a home service contractor. And all that is being said, because that's where I started. I was that call listener. I had a pretty close call with life and a wild kind of situation that helped me fall into this environment where I was immobile and in need of work. And I got fortunate in being offered this opportunity to literally just listen to calls and transcribe them. That's where I began. Attention contractors of the Successful Life podcast. Want to supercharge your business decisions? We've got something just for you. Head over to our website, SuccessfulLifePodcast.com, and click on the free download button to grab your copy of Warning When Hiring a Leadership Coach. Equip yourself with the insights you need to make informed decisions for your business. Don't miss out. You can provide the best lead on the planet for everybody that you work with. But if that CSR drops the ball, that leads worthless, right? Or if the technician, there's so many steps along the way after you do your job, that is that this tied to or perceived to be tied to your result that you have zero control over. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, man. It's like every digital marketing agency's nightmare. Right. Hey, I'm generating all these leads. This report says you got a hundred new customers and then an upset contractor who says, I don't see a single nickel and they're blaming us for it and accusing us. And it's, but the data is here. And I think we often figure out, yeah, there's a lot more moving parts, right? I can make the phone ring, but yes, your CSR, your customer service representative has a responsibility to close it. And we still got a tech, right? Or a comfort advisor that needs to get out there and do their work on the doorstep too. So yeah, there's a lot of moving parts we don't have control over. It definitely makes me cringe when I have to have that conversation. So let me ask you a question that perplexes me often is how many businesses in the home services space that don't focus on their CSRs? Typically, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, CSRs are typically the lower paid individuals in the group, in the company. So you've got the lowest paid person in your company handling the very first conversation with your new customer that you just spent God knows how much money to drive to that phone call. I don't understand how that makes sense. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Corey. It's a passionate subject for me. I could literally spend this whole episode talking about it, but the analogy I like to use is it's like a book. I don't know about you, right? But And even a movie per se, like my wife and I, we go to the movies and if I'm like five to 10 minutes late, I feel cheated. I'm like, this movie's incomplete. I don't know how it began. It, like, yeah. It's like trying to tell me to read the alphabet and skipping A, B, and C. Book's the same way, man. Like, look at your business, right? Like you don't want to read half of a book. Well, I also don't want half of an experience. Like this is your front line of defense. It's your first impression. The first impression to me is just as important 
as the last impression and how you're going to close the deal. So I couldn't agree with you more. It's it never makes sense to me on how CSR reps are some of the lower end pay-based employees in some of these organizations when really like the amount of control and impact that they have on the organization is mind-blowing. I'm, a, I'm personally a fan of incentivized motivational pay scales. I know that's a topic that's been discussed in some organizations. And if some of these contractors can develop that, I think they would be quite impressed. When I typically see the amount of bleeding that happens on a CSR team and how many times leads are lost, I wouldn't be far-fetched to say that the amount of revenue you would regain that is lost just by creating some type of incentive would essentially pay for itself. A thousand percent it would. Not only would it pay for itself, you're going to make a ton more money because of the revenue off of those extra efforts. I'll tell you, one of the things that... I'm probably most proud of is I took the, I took a CSR and I trained her to do nothing but follow up the happy calls. Right? A lot of people call them happy calls. Yeah. Most of those calls hardly ever get done and they certainly don't get done the right way. And so I implemented that inside of a company in Vegas and dude, she pulled in, I think it was 50 some thousand the first month, 90 the second, I think it was 120 the third. Don't quote me on the exact numbers, but either way, we're looking at around 300 plus thousand dollars in 90 days. <laughs> 90 days, dude. 90 days. Insane, right? It's crazy. One person. Man, imagine if you had a whole system designed to fight that. I do have a system. but So it, it, in fact, it's funny you say that because, and I'll just tell you exactly how I get them to do it. Send a voicemail drop, right? Because the phone's not going to ring. Sorry, we missed your call. I want to let you know this is what we're doing. And then a text message. Hey, sorry, we missed your sorry text message saying, hey, want to make sure you got the message. Email, hey, just want to make sure you got the message, right? You hit them three times. And the way you do it in a sequence like that, if you do it the right sequence, it doesn't feel threatening. It feels helpful. And it makes the customer feel like you give a crap about what they're what you're doing which you should give a crap. Um, and it works. Hey, and you know what I'm hearing for the listeners, I'm going to go ahead and coin Chris on to the point, right? You've got your ambition without action is useless. And I think Corey might've just gave away some real <laughs> simple solutions that could improve your business. So make it happen. That's what I heard. <laughs> it's really not hard, dude. It's really not. It's, <laughs> The biggest hurdle is typically the people that are in that position. And this is nothing against those the people who are younger. And I'm sure you all I have no idea how old you are, but my I guess is you'll agree that most younger people don't have a lot of the younger people don't have the phone skills. I'm 44. So like I grew up talking on the phone. It's just normal to me to make a phone call. It's less normal than it was three years ago, right? But it's still normal. But a lot of people have zero experience with just having normal conversations and they get put in these roles That's a good point. and they're jammed up. So I would argue, why are you pulling in people that maybe from a different company that here's where I'm going with this hire people that maybe are not in the home services industry that are great on the phone or maybe great service people like at a restaurant, pay them on performance based pay and they will work their ass off for you. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, Corey. Incentivize them, drive them, because when they are driven, they will find the solutions and improve themselves to the level and the expectations that you set. But more importantly, yeah, a position like that, look for your soft skills, right? Like it's that's something that I'm passionate about here at Rhino, right? Like we we hire for character, not skill. We treat our business like a school, right? Like we are constantly doing education here always trying to stay in the know and stay up to date with Google, the algorithm, what it's doing so that we are ahead of the rest of the competition and changing along with the algorithms to make sure that the leads keep coming through. But a lot of that is done because we've created an environment that one, again, incentivizes the team members to grow and learn core value here, education. That's number two I've called out, right? First one, genuinely care. But we're trying to cultivate something here that incentivizes them to just constantly grow, learn, be driven, focus on soft skills, trust. You can be the greatest person in the world at whatever it is you do. And if I can't trust you and count on you, it's just going to be a bad experience regardless of how skilled you are. I have no interest in babysitting and chasing you down. Like, I've got to be able to trust you. To your point, 
it's the same thing, right? Like with your CSR reps, it's the front line of defense. If I own this business and I know that they have the ability to make me lose that lead, it's cringeworthy, man. It's got to be someone I trust and train. And I go for the soft skills to your point. Yeah. Well, you just made, really made me think of something too. How many managers rip these people a new asshole and then expect them to go on back on the phone and be happy with their customers? Look, people can feel the smile through the phone. They can also feel if you're upset through the phone, the tonality, the even the, your body language, you can feel it through the phone. Yeah, I will tell you this. I'm a huge advocate of catch them what they're doing right. Yes. Catch them what they're doing wrong. All right. This is a very simple lesson learned from a book called The One Minute Manager. It's a very short, quick read. It's usually the first go-to book I recommend to anyone who's not a reader, especially when they have an interest in leadership. And I'm an advocate of that. I run around here and anytime someone does something right, I look for the opportunity to go, that, awesome, nice work, so that they can feel that positivity and train themselves to continue to replicate and do this. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't call out negative scenarios to your point. Like there will be instances because I think timing is a factor too, right? It's crucial. If someone makes, I hate calling it a mistake, right? I prefer to call it an opportunity. Like I said, it's about learning if we're not succeeding. As long as we're growing, like I'll gladly take a mistake. I use air quotes for our listeners. Gladly take a mistake if I know that's the cost in which it's going to result in their growth. So to be clear, I might have a negative instance, but I usually try to catch it in the heat of the moment so that they can literally observe right then and there while it's fresh in their mind, talking to them two weeks later, is it worth it? Is it worth demotivating them, throwing them off their A game, having a difficult conversation when enough time goes by? I think the timing, I think how you go about it all, that's a whole different subject I could talk about forever. You said something really important. If you don't have that conversation right then, and you say, let's just say that you, these are one of the times, this is one of the times that you did wait two weeks. During that two weeks, that whole two weeks, there's a piece of your brain that's getting the energy sucked out of it from that negative thing that's lingering in the back of your mind. And you know it's there and you need to take care of it and it's not going away. So it's just easier just to nip it in the bud right then and there. Yeah, but I know that's the thing is I think there's a, and everyone's got a different preference. Like for me, and again, this is just me. It's my personal approach. We can all handle things differently. But I often look at that as like a selfish approach. Just because I'm sitting here and something is in the back of my mind, it's making me uncomfortable. It would be a selfish approach to rush the situation, not find the right time or address it the correct way strategically, not weighing out the cause and the damage that creates, right? Just because I want to make myself feel better. As a leader, I'm trying my best to think about how it's going to make the recipient feel. I try to catch them at the right time, right? Like I will strategically sometimes have conversations on a Friday, knowing they're going into the weekend rather than a Monday. I might do it at four o'clock in the afternoon versus eight o'clock in the morning, right? I try to put myself in their shoes and go, is what I'm about to share really going to rattle them and throw them off for the entire day? And is the damage and the result of that worth the weight that I'm carrying of something in the back of my mind? Now for me, like that's just how I operate. It's one of these things too, where I also take a Pareto principle effect. And what I'm trying to do is say to myself, all right, what's bugging me? Is this an error that is going to continuously keep happening? Because then I know we've got some long-term damage. But if this is like a one-time thing and I'm selfishly just wanting to get a word out and correct something, and the truth is it's not going to happen again, you better believe I'm going to say we should eat our losses here. Like it's not worth demotivating them. It's not worth disrupting what they're thinking and they're feeling the confidence level because it's a thing. It's a psychological thing. If I sit here and I call something out and bash them for something that isn't going to continue to occur, it could literally impact the rate and in which they're confident and comfortable sharing ideas and thoughts and ultimately something that could change the entire trajectory of your business just because they had an environment comfortable enough to share an idea because sometimes an idea is just a transition into a bigger thing. So you're right. And you're strategically, I was thinking more of the long, if I make a mistake, right? If I make a mistake with you and I, I say something that I know I shouldn't have said, got it. And I should have handled it. I should have said, Michael, look, dude, I shouldn't have said that. I should have X, Y, Z. Instead of me holding on to it 
for two weeks and it eaten at me a little bit. Maybe it wasn't that big of a deal. So two perspectives, but you're right. As far as is it from a business owner or boss to an employee or whatever you want to call it, yeah. you have to strategically do it for sure. Good, Yeah, super good point. Definitely misunderstood what you meant by that. But yeah, like if I'm carrying a weight on my shoulder, like I'm a total advocate of positivity. And like, I definitely don't want to operate in a scenario where I've got a weight of anything on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. If we're running our operations or our business as well, it's an environment in which that employee feels like they can come to us and have a conversation directly and say, I'm feeling this way. I wish I didn't say that. Wish I didn't do this. To your point, yeah, like I think that they should get that off of their shoulders right away in those instances. But I also think it's our responsibility to create something that lets them feel like they can do that. Like I have some of the most candid, authentic relationships with my teammates because they understand in business, I'm not judging them by their character. I'm simply judging them by a task. As character, we've got all the respect in the world for each other and they don't feel attacked personally. They just understand that there's an obstacle that needs to be met, you know, a challenge that needs to be met for lack of better terms. Yeah, because it's not personal. If somebody's made, I want you to say the mistake, if they're, if they're learning a lesson and it's something that it was a genuine slip up or whatever, it, it's not, it's completely reasonable. We're human beings, right? These things are going to happen. Yeah, it's so true, man. It should never feel personal. But if we're operating correctly, I think when we take the soft skills that I referenced before, it becomes easier to not cross that that line. I'm going to credit the real Frank. He's an operation. Have you heard of him? I always butcher his last name. It's like Bezednak, I think, Frank Bezednak. I took a course of his, and he's an opera, ops guy. I took a course of his in, during the pandemic, and he taught me the art of how you tee up a difficult conversation. And I'm going, holy smokes, this is brilliant, because obviously the difficult conversations are where they feel personally attacked, right? Like they take it personal. So it's like, how do you create this, again, like a culture in which you can have those candid conversations without the result of feeling personally attacked? And a lot of that's just expectation setting. It's really just, hey, this is, do you know why you're in here? Give them the chance to share that, right? Okay, let's get across that. Make sure they understand what that is. All right, things happen. What are we going to do to correct it? When are we going to do it by? It's that simple, right? Hey, I understand mistakes happen. How, what's your plan to fix this so it's not happening again? When? Set a calendar reminder. Come back in on that date. Hey, this is still occurring. Is it safe for me to say you guaranteed that we would have this result and a resolution by the state? Do we don't? Am I the bad guy here? Because I feel like I was pretty negotiable and pretty understanding and trying to give you the ability to see you have an opportunity here. Don't make it a mistake, make it an opportunity. And then what happens? Oh, I shit the bed again. Hopefully I'm allowed to curse on the show. I apologize. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you're totally fine. At that point, it gets to a point where like the date's here, the expectation is set. Like at what point do I finally say, Corey, what would you do if you were me, bud? It's been three times we're going in this circle, man. It's nothing personal, but the bar has been set and we continue to fall short. What should I do? Yeah. I, here's... here. First thing I thought of was, well, what is the expectation if the situation or the issue is not met? In other words, if it's if they don't fix the problem or whatever it is, what's the next step? And maybe that could eliminate having a second or third time. That would be the goal, right? Is what are you going to do differently and when are you going to do it by? Ultimately, by that date comes, it's, hey, nice work. You were a man of your word. You were impeccable. You made a suggestion, you saw it through, and it looks to me like you've had this great learning and growing opportunity. You're now greater because of it. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. But if you fall short, like all you're doing is creating a factual, evidential path in which the end result, it's going to get you. And listen, if it comes down to that, I'm not the bad guy. Like we had this expectation in advance and it becomes very easy for me to say, what would you do if you were me? This isn't what I want, but it's what I got to do. They know it's coming, right? It's not like it's a surprise. Typically, it's not a super big surprise. When somebody knows they're getting ready to be let go, they typically know. Dude, we take a while. I think we're all our own worst enemies in the sense that we wait too long. I think it's some of the worst things is like we as leaders, we care. And we drag our feet a lot longer than we should. But what are you going to do when you got a good heart? That is probably one of the hardest things that that especially everybody that we work with in here in the trades, it is hard because we do have a big heart and we do want 
to give people, I feel like most people want to give the people shirt off their back. But at the end of the day, you also have to figure out the fine line. You're in business to make money, not to support everybody around around your community. So you got to think about that when you're pricing your stuff out. You got to really, and you also got, there's a lot of things you got to think about. When you're about, but, you right. know, but it's, but that's super important because I see this a lot. I see a lot of companies that underprice their just to try to stay relevant in it's a race to the bottom. I would agree. Yeah. I'm definitely in alignment when I say, Hey, you charge what you're worth. It's don't look at it as I'm trying to be the cheapest, the most expensive. It's just, you've got a set of standards and the quality that you're going to promise to deliver. And let's be real, man. People will pay atrocious amounts. Like just to, again, be able to trust and rely on you, right? I'm not looking for the cheapest guy to do my roof right now. I'm just looking for the guy I can count on, the guy that I feel good about. Like at the end of the day, that's what it's about, right? As a consumer, I just want to feel good, right? Yeah. You know, it's gobs of money in the world and what each of us are willing to pay for different things varies. But I think one thing that we all have in common is we want to feel good about it. And how we feel good varies. Like what your priority is different than what my priority is and what equates to that positive feeling. But I can tell you, you're, I totally agree with you, but I can tell you one thing that's not going to leave a positive feeling is not being empathetic with your customer and trying to mow them over and try to charge them for everything in the world. You got to think about, you're talking to a human being. They're a human being that they have stuff going on. You, and you got to really think about that. And I believe in my heart, you're better off going and making a friend with these people. You're better off approaching it that way. And I'll tell you, this is an absolute fact. When people say that they have a hard time selling, here's why they have a hard time selling. Because you're trying to sell something that you shouldn't either be selling, or you're selling something you don't believe in, or there's some incongruence in whatever it is you're doing. Because if you were doing it with a good heart, there wouldn't be any selling involved in it because the person would want to do business with you. 100%. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, right? We often overcomplicate things. We overanalyze it. Sometimes the ambitious goal gets in the way of what the true value is. We're all people. And the quicker we can understand that all people are either mothers, sons, fathers, daughters, whatever, right? Like we all have something in common. The key is to develop the relationship with them as a human being. The rest comes naturally, man. I just want to feel good about who you are under my roof. And this is the thing, man, is like a house is a major investment, whether it's trades and air conditioning, whether it's roofing, electrical, all of it. I'm calling you for a reason. It's intimidating. I don't know how to solve it myself in most cases. So by the time you get to the door, the odds are already stacked against you in the sense that one, I don't know enough about what's going on. And I don't like that you have that leverage. I don't like that I cannot trust you. I'm skeptical. I'm sitting here going, when you go up there, are you telling me the truth? I don't know you. I need to feel like I can count on you. I think sales associates and techs, they would get a lot farther if they focus on developing the trust and making sure that the consumer feels really good about the relationship before they dive in. And some of the ways of doing that is show them pictures of what you're seeing. Try to educate them without over analyzing and complicating it because then I just feel overwhelmed. I'm like, listen, man, like you're not making me feel good. You're making me feel confused. So dumb it down for me. But I also got to feel like I can count on you. So to your point, yeah, I think it's very important. Like you have to develop that relationship. That should be the priority when you get to that doorstep. The sale should just be a byproduct. Really, it should organically come from a general friendship that is being developed because I'm here to help just want to get to know you while I'm here trying to make your life better. That's it. Yeah. And here's the thing. Like a lot of times I think that we really got to think about from the customer standpoint here, because how many times, I don't know. I don't think I've ever had to call an HVAC company or a plumbing company in an emergency. So my point is like most people don't have that phone call in their brain or repertoire. So when the CSR is answering the 50,000th call for the day and it's just the next call, it may be that customer's first call ever calling a service company ever. And to your point, that makes them nervous. It makes people uncomfortable. And you're right. It makes them super uncomfortable because you have something that is leverage. You have a lot of leverage. Absolutely. 
Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, man. It's for sure something where we have to be aware of that. We have to remember to think, and that's what I do, right? I'm a marketer. Like if there's anything I'm doing, I'm constantly analyzing the psychological components of, hey, when I'm a consumer, why do I look at this billboard? Why does my eye go to the color orange versus green? Like why is red associated with emergency and danger? I have to think of that. So I get into this common habit of Hey, if I'm going to grow businesses using search engines, that's why we exist. We exist to grow businesses, period, right? That's our mission statement here at Rhino. How do you expect me to successfully grow a business without having a general understanding, one, of what the company does and offers? So that's one thing I'm just going to throw out. I'm changing gears a little bit here, but I think it's, uh, it's hard for me to understand when we bring in marketing agencies that have zero experience in what it is that I actually offer. Hire someone that understands what you do, but more importantly, you have to make an attempt to understand the way the consumer thinks, right? Like when I go to Google, why am I typing in what I'm typing? And when would I use something like this in comparison to a desk or a laptop like this, right? Like psychographics, right? That's what you're talking about. What's that? Psychographics. That's what you're talking about. 100%, man. Okay. Uh, that was one of my questions for you, actually. I can't even believe you brought it up. I want, you to, <laughs> I want you to actually explain that for people because I don't know if most people understand what that means. So it's situational awareness, right? I'll give you an example. I commonly teach the team here. Um, I'm going to use air conditioning, even roofing, right? Like when I am going to make a large investment, a purchase, right? If I'm going to spend $8,000 on a new system, it's commitment. It's a lot of money. Let's be real. And it's going to be a lot harder for me to just hand you 8K. It's different when I'm buying a candy bar from the grocery store for a dollar and change. We don't feel the impact. So for instance, is my AC unit broken or is it still work? Is it 120 degrees? Is it 70 and the windows are open? What is the rush component? Do I have the ability to sit here at this laptop and do some research if I'm looking for a Linux system or a train unit? Am I sipping on my coffee and just trying to feel like I'm doing my own education so that I can feel better about that tech experience that we just discussed. How I act in that situation is different than when I have a newborn baby in home, it's 120 degrees in Phoenix, the AC breaks. This is now an emergency. So what am I going to do? Everything changes psychologically. The rush factor comes in. I start using this device. All those people say, hey, I scroll past the PPC ads on Google. They stop scrolling past the PPC ads. They're panicking from this tiny screen and they literally click the PPC ad, not even knowing what they click because they just clicked the first guy on the list, right? Can you be here? Can you be here now? How much is it? Okay. I'll gladly pay 30 more dollars for that initial fee than I would because right now I just desperately need someone to come. And I've called two guys that are booked out two weeks, get here now. So my entire demeanor changes 100% which is where we have to be aware when I go into Google and I look at tools like pay-per-click versus SEO or LSA, the situational components that we are describing with each other, they vary dramatically. PPC starts to generate more leads in certain types of scenarios, and you can set it up so that the ads show in the right timing on the right device type, right? Like maybe I shouldn't push PPC ads on a desktop or a, a laptop computer in this exact example where I'm saying, Hey, if someone's in like a rush case and I'm going for the rush lead, them sitting down and opening up their laptop isn't really a rush type scenario. The cell phone is that kind of like what you're asking me to describe. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Because yeah, it's so important to understand those things specifically. All right. If, and this is such a good segue. If let's just say I go hire ABC marketing company and they say, yeah, we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to run traffic to your site. We're going to get you leads. I'm like, great. We do plumbing and we do HVAC. Cool. We can do that. All right, great. So here's where the conversation we just had comes into play. Are you running traffic for emergency leads? Are you making sure that at my I'm top of the page for Google or are you running? Are you sending me leads for service work? Are you sending me leads for a repipe? A service work in re, a whole house repipe is vastly different, right? A hot water heater and a whole HVAC is totally different. <laughs> so, so this is why it's important. If you're not consecutively meeting with your marketing agency on a regular basis, you now understand why that is a problem. You literally just exposed that because theoretically what should be happening, Corey, right? Is if you are the client and I am the agency, 
realistically, we need to get together regularly. And I need to ask you things like, Corey, how far out is your service tech booked? Because if you're booked out three weeks, nobody's going to wait three weeks for a repair, right? It's just not the case. In most cases, something's broken. Now it depends conditionally what we're talking about, right? But theoretically, why am I running PPC ads for a service that if you can't get to it right away, you're going to pay for the click and you're not going to convert, meaning it's not going to result in a sale. You should be shifting those marketing dollars and doing something in the area of your business where you've got quicker bandwidth times, right? Like maybe you've got a comfort advisor sitting around and they can get to you within 48, 72 hours, right? Okay, pour the money into a sales campaign. It's funny, I'm actually doing a webinar in the ACA tomorrow morning all about pay-per-click. PPC is your best friend because you can meet consistently and get an alignment on your goals and leverage it to the point that I'm trying to make. SEO, you've got a little bit of a different component there, right? Like it's the bang for the buck is the ultimate holy grail after time prevails. And it's like a tree, it grows and generates the fruits of its labor, but you got to keep watering it. And that's the analogy I use. Like PPC buys you the time by having some control and strategy to generate leads while you're waiting for the SEO to saturate and do what it's designed to do. But to your point, Absolutely, my man, like you're going to have different areas of your company and your marketing agency does have the ability to control things from the location. You could tell me, hey, average lifetime of this unit's 20 years. Let's just say that 15, whatever you believe it is. It varies in, across the country based on the sure. density of the year. But if you turn around and you say that, and I can easily pull a report that this neighborhood was newly constructed 15 years ago. Doesn't it make sense for me to run a PPC campaign to that particular zip or set a radius around that neighborhood so that you're at the top of the page cap capitalizing on probably a higher ratio of change outs? You get what I mean? These are Dude, I, I literally just had this conversation today. I said, actually, a potential client. And I said, let me ask you, what is your what do you make the most money on? Repipes. I said, oh, makes sense. I said, how much traffic? Do you, I said, let me ask you a question. How much traffic do you run to get repipes? We don't run any traffic. I said, why don't you, why don't you geofence a neighborhood? And I'll just use a, an example. Like I know like out in Vegas, right? But you got, you're near Vegas, hard water, or I don't know if it's called hard water, but your water is definitely different than it is in North Carolina. It's in your hot water heaters last a fraction of the time, like almost half the amount of time, like seven yeah, I mean, years. We're in Phoenix, but it's a similar environment. Yeah. I get what you mean. Yeah. So. I may have actually forgot where I was going with that. Oh, I was asking him. I said, why don't you find, I said, why don't you just do a search and look at uh, neighborhoods that are built in 1960 or below and just blanket them with a small ad saying that we can do your repipe. Your house is at that time or whatever. I said, guess what, dude? You'll have every repipe in that neighborhood because nobody else is doing that. 100%. It's just having purpose and intent. That's really what it is. It's like, you can do the same thing by looking up the average income or the house values. There's a lot of strategies you can do. And to, to your point, to my point, like meeting with your marketing agency on a routine basis is key. You shouldn't just be evaluating the performance. You should strategically be telling them like, hey, I want to push this type of lead. I want to scale back on that type of lead. Give them this type of information because they do have the ability to be strategic and help you drive call types where they can. Like it's something that is possible. I'm glad you brought that up about meeting with your marketing. That was one of my questions. How, all right. So how often, what's a good amount of time? Once a month, once every two weeks, what's a solid amount of time where there shouldn't be much lapse if there, if things, a campaign goes sideways, heaven forbid. Yeah. 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 So listen, I, like the magic metric we like here is a month, but I want to elaborate, right? We meet with clients once a month to discuss results. That doesn't mean that you can't shoot an email back and forth whenever the hell you want, right? And make tweaks and adjustments. But I say that cautiously because any seasonal, seasoned PPC analyst is gonna also remind you that there is artificial intelligence involved. It's not like you just, whoever bids the most on a click wins, okay? Like the quality of the page can determine the amount of the spend. For instance, if I got a complete trash landing page that the ad points to, the cost per click is going to be higher because the quality score of the page is lower. It's Google's way of saying, hey, the user might have a bad experience going to your crappy website. So just to cover my ass, I'm going to charge you more for this click. So what oh, you're really shit. trying to do, right, is get a high quality score so that you can get the cost per click as low as possible, but you're still bidding against your competition, right? If I've got three ads at the top, the 
quality score does have a, a component, but I still need to outbid the guy above me if I want to rank higher than him. So like all of that being said, the algorithm is there. To answer your direct question, how often I like a month, but the reason I do that is because you need to make decisions with data. So I want to elaborate on that because in PPC, yes, like you have a lot of moving gauges and things that you can do, but let's be clear, you need enough data to populate and generate for you to observe a trend and really have a formalized decision. Like you move the needle too much, you may have moved it prematurely is essentially what I'm trying to say, but you need to give it time to saturate and really justify the decision that you're going to make. So I often tell clients, like, I'm looking for two to three months to really get it going. It's like a, the analogy I always use. You wake up a child, like, it's cranky in the morning, man. He, she's got, got to get their feet underneath of them and may wake up and just get into the groove before they're even enjoyable to be around, if ever. <laughs> but jokes aside, it really comes down to let the wheels get spinning and see what it does before you prematurely make moves and adjustments, because every time you reshift it, it's trying to relearn and rethink. And the key is to get it to find some traction and then fine tune and adjust it. So to answer the direct question again, like I meet monthly performance wise with my clients, but listen, like we're having conversations, some of them every other day, like weekly it happens. I tell clients to tell me anytime the board is a little light in one area versus the other. If it's GM packed, like it's booked out multiple weeks, like I just teach them, hey, if you're a consumer, would you be willing to wait this long? Because if the answer is no, I should know. That's so really what, why is it important? Why is it important for a company to let you know when they're really heavy, let's say they're doing, their techs are booked out and they've got a ton of hot water heaters, right? But they've got techs that can do repipe, right? And so they're not utilizing these other techs for really bigger jobs because they're cranking out all these hot water heaters. They should contact you and say, hey, we're heavy on hot water heaters. We need to move. I'm guessing we need to move some of our money to a different area, which I think you were saying earlier. Yeah, that's exactly it, right? Like you're just trying to control the bandwidth by what is the type of opportunity you're pushing through the advertising. Now, let's be clear, like there's some caveats to that. Like the risk you always run is like your consumer doesn't understand it. You talk to your average Joe and say repipe, he's going to scratch his head and be like, what does that mean? I don't get it. So then what you have to think about is that guy is probably typing into Google plumber, plumbing. Like he doesn't know specifically what he wants. And the thing with that, right, is if I target that ad, that word, there's just no way your digital marketing agency knows contextually what you're going to get. Let's be real. Like you want to target the ad because you want to generate the lead and you want to get the opportunity, but it's like, you never know what you're going to get. It's a box of chocolates. Will yeah. yeah. Well, unless you geofence an area that you know needs pre-pipes. That's the only way that you could really, I'm guessing that's the only way you could really track and measure something that specific, that niche. Yeah, and a geofence is a little different than pay-per-click, but there's the same like general concept of understanding theoretically how it works. Like in PPC, when we target the keyword, rather than necessarily just trying to target an area and put in specific job types and categories and things of that nature, the example might be in PPC, I can target an exact word. I can exclude a word. I could literally make it so that the ad only shows up if someone types in letter for letter, word for word, repipe. And then say this ad should not show up if someone types in plumber. And the right. cost of the word is going to be higher or lower based upon the popularity of it, right? If I've got barely anyone searching for the word repipe, it's not going to cost much for me to target that because it's just not commonly utilized word amongst your consumer type on search engines. And just a side, this is a really important lesson. When they're, if you're an owner and you've got technicians, you got CSRs and they're talking to the customer. And I literally, I witnessed this not long ago, a guy, he, he said, we need, you need to change out your angle stops. And I'm like, I'm sitting here, I'm dying inside because I know damn well that customer has zero idea about what an angle stop is. And so they're like, yeah, I don't need two angle stops for 300 bucks. What the hell out of the house. I'm like, dude, did you, you think about what is it? I said, at the tenth the time i was like do you think they knew what an angle stop was what else could you have called it he said it's just a shutoff valve i'm like just say shutoff valve you don't say i know you want to sound important I, I wouldn't say this like a negative thing to him I'm like i know you went to school to learn all this shit and learn all these terminologies but 
leave that shit at home when you go or leave that at the door when you go in somebody's house because they don't know any of that stuff. Yeah. As if I, when I put myself in the consumer shoes, really, gosh, I'm trying to remember who taught me this the other day. Like literally I heard someone say this the other week and it resonated with me so much. It's like, to just dumb it down. Just tell me, Hey, if I was trying to be cheap and just get by this, if I was looking to, I guess what I'm trying to say right now is ask me more questions. What is my goal? Am I staying in this house for five years? Am I staying in it for the rest of my life? Because sometimes literally what I want to know, Corey, is, hey, what would you do if this was your mom's house? Yes. What would you do if you loved this person and you cared about? What would you suggest if you actually gave a shit about this person? Now, if you're doing your job, you've convinced me you give a shit about me, right? But let's be real because sometimes that's all I want to know is like when I ask you that, it means I care. I want you to care. I want to do the thing you know, that you are saying is in the best interest of someone you care about. And then explain to me why, like, why would you do that? That's the way that I want to hear it, man. I don't fuck what an angle stop is. Right. Right. Like, again, to my point earlier, it just overwhelms me. It makes me sit here and say, man, like you're talking to me about this stuff. I'm just trying to understand how do I, like, how long is this going to take? Is this going to be fixed? And are we going to be okay? Like, when can you fix this by? Do I need to get a hotel? There's so many other things in my mind that I'm worried about. How much is this going to cost? Can I afford it? So the minute you drop an angle stop term or just a complex term on me, all it's going to do is make me more frustrated. I got a million other problems, man. I hired you to simplify this. Don't overcomplicate it. Yeah, and you got to think that customer is most likely potentially in distress or even they're just thinking about so many different things and they've already used up a lot of brain energy, let's call it, on this problem. And now you're making them think harder about the problem they don't want to think about anyway. Yeah, that is yeah. not drawing you, it's not drawing you any closer to the sale. I promise you. Yeah. And again, these are all just opinions like to each your own. And I think that you're going to get a lot of people who may disagree with some of these theories. But at the end of the day, my goal is I always just try to think about like, what would I do if I was angry in this situation? What would I do if I was intimidated or if I didn't trust anyone or if I had all the money in the world? Because I think these are all different types of consumers that you're going to deal with that are differently. At the end of the day, my sole existence purpose is to try and think like all of those consumers and then make sure that the clients of Rhino Strategic Solutions are growing. But the only way I can do that is to never count someone out. Like I have to think about every type of person, how they are, how they might be, not just what I personally think and some of the opinions that I'm sharing, right? They're surely just opinions. They're not facts. Like, But that being said... I try to keep every type of consumer in mind because if I'm really going to grow businesses and be the most reputable digital marketing agency in home services, and I use the keyword reputable, right? As CXO, the experience is my key. We don't look at the dollars here. We look at the experience. The dollars come organically. We do things right. We genuinely care. We treat clients like their family. We want them to feel like we are a marketing agency right there under their arm and that we are conveniently ready and capable of helping them at all times. And when I say all this to you, the only way you're going to successfully do that is by trying to be considerate and thoughtful of what these consumers are dealing with, how they're feeling, and how they might go into the search engines and interact with them before they make the choice of giving you guys the chance. That's yeah. what it's about. I want to, you're absolutely right. And one thing that I think is also really important, like when you think about inviting somebody into your house, like that's the most personal space in your whole life. So and if you're the technician walking into that house, you should be grateful that that person allowed you in their house. You're a stranger. So true. How do you get memorized too, man? I love hearing the unique differentiator. I'll challenge every listener to ask themselves that too. I've heard it all, right? The dog treats, bring the dog treats for the dog. That's a good one, right? I think I heard one where they lay out a mat, like literally so that when you open the door, it's like the shining experience. Here's your tech in his suit standing on the mat with the dog treat, right? But I challenge you to ask yourself, like, how do you become the most memorable? Because if I'm going to have three different guys pop into the door, right? Like, The memorable one is the one who did something that makes me feel special. It was unique. It was different. They stood out. That's another thing I always like to call out too, is like, there's 10 of you. Why you? And I'm not saying like the traditional, we take the best care of them because that's too vague, man. How? What specifically are you doing? 
It's like when I have an employee and I say, Hey, what's your goal? And they say, I'm going to become smarter. How are you going to do that? What is your strategy? Give me something that is measurable, not something that is opinionated. I challenge business owners to think about that as contractors when they go into these homes. Like, how can you truly do something that's tangible that is legitimately you're going to go out there and do something, measure it, and be uniquely different from everybody else in the valley? Something well, I, always- I wish I could say I ask you to ask me that question because I'm actually going to answer that question because you love it. that up perfectly because I'm I'll give you and everybody else listening the answer to that question. Shut your mouth and listen to the customer. That's a really good point. That's how you make them feel valued, right? And that's really the key is I think the greatest coaches in the world, they're the greatest listeners, right? The greatest learners in the world, greatest listeners, right? You've got two ears, one mouth, listen twice as much as you speak. I could say it a million different ways, but I would definitely note that one down, man. It's a great point, Corey. Yeah. I appreciate that. And it really is true. And this is something that I've not always been great at. Active listening is really what we're talking about here. And just to, we'll wrap up with this. The active listening is listening, not so you can respond, not so you can tell people what is on your mind, but listen to respond to the person that's talking to you about what they're talking about. And it's amazing if you take a step back sometime and pay attention how many people don't do that? It's pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. I'd say even deep listening. I try to take it to a level in which I go, okay, listening to respond is definitely not the goal here. And listening to listen is one thing, but I challenge you guys to take it even farther. And that's listen to where you're hearing what they're not saying. I do think that there is a component of listening at such a level in which you're really trying to decipher and see what isn't necessarily there, what is being said. Think about... Every time you ever did an interview with a, with a team member, listen like that, like literally listen and look for what's not being said or what is not there present. I think that if I could have this ambitious goal, like to be the greatest listener in the world, like we all have things we've got to work on, right? That would be a superpower worth having. I wish that I could easily go and be that great of a listener at all times. It's tough humans. What is our attention span? It was something like dramatic. I can't remember what the statistic is. Definitely takes a special person to be like a great listener. Gosh, my wife is the best one that I know. It's reason 884 why I married her. <laughs> I don't think my wife has much choice but be a good listener because I just, I do talk a lot. But it is something you have to train yourself on. And anyhow, so I do want to ask one last thing. So I do want you to, you guys have, RoofCon coming up, right? We do. You're going to be doing some cool stuff at RoofCon. Personally, you're going to be doing some stuff there. Can you tell us? Yeah, man. I'm excited about that, man. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, as I was telling you earlier, like I'm an operations guy. I work a lot with the strategy here at Rhino. My my one of my many roles is to understand Google, right? It's to really make sure the team's in alignment on what our actual strategies are going to be and how we're going to grow these businesses we're using these search engines. So it's funny, anytime I go out to these shows, these trade shows, these events, like I feel like I'm on a field day. Like I'm not in sales. I don't commonly go to these events. So when you see me at one, it's because we're there to educate. And that's the Service World Expo was so fun last week because literally like the goal was to go in there and just teach people how to do things that we do, right? So that they don't need us, right? But yes, your point, RoofCon is, it's one of those opportunities. I'm getting the the opportunity and privilege to attend Orlando, get out there with our VP of sales, Jeff, where he's got a keynote presentation. I'll be running a marketing panel just to try and share all the wisdom I can, especially if about digital and just help businesses and accomplishing their goals. But I'll also be doing a breakout all about Google Maps. I could literally spend a whole episode on this, Corey, but I would just tell everyone this, like Google Maps, it's the easiest free, 100% free tool that if you just try, you can easily generate leads without the need of a digital marketing agency. And I'd love a thousand dollar roof, zero cost, just because I'm paying attention to Google maps and following some of the steps I'm going to share. But for those of you that have been kind enough to sit through this past hour, I hope to see you at RoofCon. I'll be doing a breakout and giving you all of those tricks and literally step-by-step tutorials on what you can take back to your organization and how to do it yourself and a very easy way to look at a report and literally say, Hey, all those things Mike told me to do resulted in X number of new roofs. (laughs) 
Dude, that's awesome. That's probably the best thing that you could have said because look, I, and I don't even know the information that you're talking about, but I'm super interested. So I can't wait. I can't wait to hear you talk about this. It's going to be dope, dude. Yeah, I hope you're in there, man. Sit in. I'll, we'll make sure it's fun. If there's anything I can promise, it'll be entertaining. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Listen, tell everybody where they can find you and all that good stuff. Any information you want to tell everybody about you and yeah. Yeah, man. So listen, our website is rhinoss.com. That's R-Y-N-O-S-S.com. That's just to learn more about what we do, who we are. Um, but this is my passion and like my, I literally eat, sleep and breathe this stuff. I love having the ability to change the trajectory, not just of my employees here, but um, of businesses too. I get that business owners, this is their life's work. And for them to put the trust and faith in us to help them grow it is a gift in itself. I'm blessed. So I say that to tell you guys, please don't ever hesitate to reach out to me directly. I literally, we'll give you my email, direct email here. It's M as in Michael, Venitas, that's V-E-N-I-D-I-S at Rhino. And I'm always talking this stuff, man. If you got some simple questions, like don't hesitate to reach out and utilize me. It's literally a hobby. So you're not a burden and I'm here to help and I want to see everyone succeed. That's what I love about life. It's all about being positive and helping lift each other up. You're the man. I appreciate it, brother. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Corey. Dude, this was fantastic. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, man. We'll see you. If you took anything away from this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com. This is the Successful Life. Thank you for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at CoreyBarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.